Hi there again. I'm Father Matt Kovisk, and I'm the rector of St. Mark's Anglican Church in Elkhorn. Now, I must admit to you this day that one of my favorite Sundays of the church year, save for Easter Day, of course, is this Sunday, known to us in the liturgical tradition as the third Sunday of Advent. This is known to some people as Gaudete Sunday. And Gaudete stands for the Latin word for rejoice, which comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why is this one of your favorite Sundays there, Father Matt? Well, the liturgical color of the day in many churches, including the ones I'll be in, is rose. And it's actually one of two days a year that I get to wear it. It's a joy to be able to wear rose. And as it's a pick-me-up, a kind of a, a lifting, a signal that we're halfway through the season of Advent. This day also helps to shine some light on what is a traditionally very dark time of year to provide a bit of light amongst the darkness. Gaudete Sunday, the third Sunday of Advent, usually falls in one of the darkest times of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. And before we know it, in 10 to 12 days, we'll be commemorating the longest night and the shortest day of the year. And it is into this dark world that John the Baptist is preaching. We encounter him once again in our gospel reading given to us for this morning. Last week, we heard about John the Baptist's advent, that is, arrival, and he came to us preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He is proclaiming a message that we should prepare the way of the Lord, making his pathway straight. However, in last week's reading, we don't actually encounter John the Baptist's words. We recount that John came to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah foretold, that all flesh shall see the salvation of God. In this week's Gospel reading, we encounter John the Baptist's first words in St. Luke's Gospel. If you want to follow along at home, we're reading from Luke 3, 7-18. In this passage, people are clearly interested in the message of John the Baptist, and crowds have gathered to listen to his message. Now, this is a good thing. And as a preacher, you want to try to get them to listen to your message. To do so, at least in modern context, you try to put your best foot forward. You try to listen to any other arguments. You treat other people with respect. But probably most of all, you don't call them names or insult them right off the bat. As we read in Luke 3, 7, John the Baptist isn't interested in that school of thought when it comes to making his argument or preaching about the kingdom of God. He senses the intentions of the crowd, calling those who come to him a brood of vipers. Clearly, John the Baptist didn't graduate from any sort of finishing school. It continues to go downhill from there, at least if you're holding to the Dale Carnegie School line of trying to make friends and influence people. He lowers what is called the eschatological boom on them. And this eschatological, this talk about end times, talk, is that the gathered crowds are to bear fruits worthy of repentance. They are to take his message, that they are to return once more to God and not rest on their laurels. The line that we have Abraham as our ancestor doesn't cut it for God. The Messiah is coming. This is no time to rest. As we listen to the story, I can imagine that the gathered crowds either would have been mad 
or worried about their own end, as it were. This is why we actually see the gathered crowds questioning John. I can imagine the frenetic or the nervous energy as they questioned him. And I imagine that this talk about eschatological things, things of the end times, might have scared some of them straight. And they were wanting to know what he meant when he said that they must bear fruits worthy of repentance. So the gathered crowd fires a bunch of questions at John the Baptist. And in each case, for such a large message that the kingdom of God is coming, something so big, the answer seems so simple. Share your coats, don't collect too much money, don't extort people. So this day, what do you and I make of this as we complete our Advent preparation? As we turn the corner from the message of the second coming of Christ into the expectation. Well, John the Baptist is making grand statements about something pretty big. Again, as I've mentioned, he's talking about the end times here. His response to those around him and us down to this day is that it's actually pretty easy to answer the question, what do we do? John the Baptist is forcing the gathered crowds around him to think on a more practical level. Notice here that his responses are very simple. Share with others, act justly, don't extort people. They're pretty practical, aren't they? In his preaching, John the Baptist, and in his own way, is telling people to look inward at themselves and begin there. Share what you have. It may be small, but it is something. Act justly, building fairness and mercy into your life. Don't wait until acting justly is easier or more noticeable in front of others. Begin now. Begin what you have in with what you have in front of you. And let God transform your life now. No matter who you are, no matter what little you have, you can return to God and allow him to transform your life. No matter how much you have, you're not exempt from the call to repent. John the Baptist called tax collectors and soldiers, those who don't have a lot of social capital to repentance. But in the very same breath, he called those who had a lot of social capital, those who were, quote, children of Abraham, those who had been working on their relationship with God already, to repentance too. John the Baptist called all to repentance, no matter who you were. For if you remember his words, he said, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. All flesh, tax collectors, soldiers, those children of Abraham, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. My friends, it is the same for us some 2,000 years later as we read the passage this morning. John the Baptist is calling out to us from the wilderness, asking us to repent of the times where we walked away from God, asking us once more to put God at the forefront of our lives, asking once more for us to prepare our hearts 
to hear once more again the word of the Father. You and I may stand here and ask, what can we do? And the answer is same for us as it was for those who were gathered around St. John the Baptist in that wilderness many years ago. Take a look at who you are. Look inside and begin there. Begin there. Yes, and I'm sure that when you turn inward and look at your own relationship with God, your life will radically be changed and you'll be more prepared to hear and experience once more the birth of the Christ child this Christmas. As you heed the message of John the Baptist this week to turn inward and look at who you are in relationship with the most holy and undivided Trinity. And as you examine your own relationship with those around you, may God continue to grant us all the grace to carry these small things and these big things out. And so we pray. O Lord, eternal Son, to thee, whose advent sets thy people free, whom with the Father we adore, and Holy Ghost, forevermore. Thanks be to God.